And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Nick Fulton. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Dylan Quayer. And this week we're discussing Joe's Apartment, the 1996 MTV <laughs> musical comedy starring Jerry O'Connell in his apartment full of singing cockroaches. Do you guys remember that movie? They, I was going to say, thankfully we're not discussing it. That movie really has disturbed me when I was younger. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I don't really know what it's about. The dancing honestly. cockroaches. Ugh. It's, it's guys, never being That gross. sounds horrible. It's bad stuff. Do you guys know what the, uh, the tagline to the movie is? No. no. It's sex, bugs, rock and roll. <laughs> God. That is um, perfectly awful. Why That's... did they make a dad joke the tagline of a movie like that? You'll, you'll have to Google it after this, Dylan. It's really a, a perfect like 90s time capsule. It's very nice. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. No, so this week we are discussing The Apartment from 1960 from the IMDb plot summary. It is about a man who tries to rise in his company by letting its executives use his apartment for trysts, but complications arise and a romance of his own ensues. The Apartment was directed by Billy Wilder and written by Wilder and IAL Diamond and shot by Joseph Lachelle. It starred Shirley MacLaine, Fred McMurray, Jack Christian, and... Jack Lemon is CeCe Baxter. It received 10 Oscar nominations, winning five, including uh, film editing, original screenplay, art direction, black and white, best director for Billy Wilder, and best picture. The movie has a long list of devout acolytes and is one of the favorite films of Francis Ford Coppola, Osgar Farhadi, Farhadi and uh, Michelle Hazanavicious. And before we start talking about the movie, I want to share two quick Oscar anecdotes. So, um, in 2012, when he won the Best Picture Oscar for The Artist, after turning to thank his wife uh, and actress Bernice Bejeau, um, Michelle Hazanavicious turned back to the mic and said, I would, like to thank, I would like to thank three people. I want to thank Billy Wilder, I want to thank Billy Wilder, and I want to thank Billy Wilder. <laughs> and two decades before that, director Fernando Trueba won Best Foreign Film for Belle Epoque. And in his speech, he said, "I would like to believe in God in order to thank him, but I just believe in Mister. I just believe in Billy Wilder. So thank you, Mister Wilder." And apparently, the day after, uh, Billy Wilder called him and said, "Fernando, it's God." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, Jana, this was your first time seeing it. Mm-hmm. What did you know about the movie um, going into it, and what were your quick initial reactions to the apartment? So it had been highly recommended to me for years and years. Um, when I was finally watching it this week, I had one friend in particular that I had to like text right away. I'm like, you won't believe it. I'm finally watching The Apartment. Um, and he was thrilled. But I, you know, I knew that it was well-respected, very important in Oscar history. And, but I also knew that it was sad. <laughs> and a recurring theme on this podcast is that I don't tend to seek out movies that are sad or that I think they're going to bum me out if I can avoid it and so even though it was supposed to be romantic um, I had sort of been a little bit reluctant to check it out for that reason and I will say 
pretty sad. <laughs> um, even being prepared for it, it was still somehow a little bit darker than I was prepared for. But it, you know, it's very sweet. And Jack Lemmon is just beyond like adorable and charming in this. And Shirley MacLaine's amazing. So I, I did really enjoy it. But I was um, even having sort of put off watching it due to thinking it would be kind of a bummer. I was still kind of taken aback at, you know, how, how dark it really did get there. And Dylan, you've seen this before? Oh, yeah. Um, I've actually only seen it once before, I think. Um, I remember in our intro pod when we were d- talking about um, the best directors of the 30s, and for some godforsaken reason, none of us, all of us passed the buck on Billy Wilder, and no one picked him. Um, that's a damn shame. And I love James Whale. That's who my pick was. But rewatching The Apartment made me realize that was probably a mistake. And I also remember we um, discussed uh, favorite uh, Billy Wilder movies. Um, and I, I think I was the only one to say Apartment. Um, and I said it slightly tentatively, I think. Because um, there's still Sunset Boulevard and Sun Like It Hot. But again, after this rewatch, it's definitely apartment yeah i will for say sure it, in my this isn't even really a defense um but when we were recording that initial podcast i hadn't seen this or some like it hot yet i'd only seen sunset boulevard so i've now mm. tripled the number of billy wilder movies that i've seen in the past couple of months here uh, how would so, you rank those three now oh i think i mean they're all excellent i think uh, probably some like it hot number one and then Whoa. I know I, I love we'll talk about it at some undetermined point in the future. I mm-hmm. loved some like it hot. Um, it's very good. It's so funny. Um, and then this and then Sunset Boulevard, which <laughs> is a really fantastic movie. So there's no yeah. there's no losers in the bunch there. Nick, out of curiosity, what's your ranking of those three? Um, I haven't seen some like it hot in a really long time, uh, even longer than I'd seen this once before, maybe a decade ago. And it's been even longer since I've seen some like it hot. But um, of those three, I would definitely go Sunset Boulevard and then Some Like It Hot and then this. Um, I I struggled with this movie, you guys. I'm sorry. No, I, I, that's okay. I actually, I think it's going to be interesting to talk about because, hmm. like I was saying, I, I really, I, I did enjoy it. I think it's great, but it was different than I was expecting. And I think it has some interesting things to talk about in it. Yeah, I remember, uh, I mean, liking it well enough not thinking that it was like his best movie or like a top echelon movie but watching it this time um there are things that i like about it a lot but i'm not gonna make friends here but i really did not like jack lemon in this and really and you've gotta be kidding me I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna go mad one, i'm just confused i'm gonna go one step further and i i hate baxter like, I, I hate him as a character. You know, that's a, that's a take I can get on board with more than not thinking Jack Lemmon's good. I think I, I'm more skeptical of Baxter as a character than I am of the performance. I, I think the performance is great. I, I could have some reservations about the character. I just found him so, I just found him so obnoxious. Like, all of his little ticks and quirks, <laughs> um, they just didn't do it. Like, buy, buy a strainer, guy. You have a, you have a job. <laughs> I know that's that's kind of too cute by half the 
<laughs> straining with the. It racket. was the type of thing if you saw it in a rom com in like 2015, and it was like Matthew McConaughey doing it. You would roll your eyes so hard. Well, at that's because it. it's Matthew McConaughey. That's a, that's a great point, though. <laughs> It, the context is important here. So you're you're just you're just giving him the benefit of the doubt because Jack Lemon is uh, great, basically. And it's written by Billy Wilder. Like the way it's performed, it makes it better than Matthew McConaughey straining spaghetti, going all right, all right, all right. I would I would love to see Matthew McConaughey strain some spaghetti say, with just. I, was say, I think now I want to see it happen. Any sporting equipment. <laughs> I'd like him to use a baseball bat as a muddler. It practically writes itself, honestly, yeah. that scene. That actually might be a scene in, like, Failure to Launch or something. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're remembering. So let's uh, let's start with the movie. So it uh. begins with Baxter. We see these shots of New York City. He gives a description about New York City and the population of New York City and how it has 8 million and some people. And if you laid them uh, end-to-end from Times Square to Karachi... Uh, or if you laid them and, and it could reach from Times Square to Karachi. Uh, and he says he knows this because he's an insurance salesman. I talked to um, my insurance agent yesterday. I didn't think to ask him this, but it doesn't seem like the type of thing that an insurance agent would need to know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if he were like a, I don't know, pilot maybe or cartographer or someone who was like a geography expert like i don't know why an insurance salesman knows how many people it would take to stretch from here to karachi it seems like a, a wits and wagers type question if you guys have ever played that oh, board game yes 100 percent. yeah i'm very mm. bad at it so me too <laughs> i was hoping that he would actually lead in with a marx brothers-esque joke which would be um just continuing on from that it would reach to karachi pakistan and most of them would drown. Yeah, there you go. Anyways, so we see his office building. It's a big uh, company. Like he, he says, one of the biggest companies in the country. And they have a gigantic building. And when we see the floor he works on, we see what I think is maybe my favorite thing about the movie, which is the shot of the office. And we talked a little bit about it um, <laughs> off air, but... The way the office is set up, it's first, it, it's an allusion to um, a movie from 1928 called The Crowd by King Vidor, which apparently is like impossible to find right now. I don't know if you guys have seen no. it. No. But I believe someone mentioned in the Facebook group we're in um, that it goes in public domain in three years. So, yeah, hopefully it'll. YouTube, here it comes. <laughs> I was going to say it might be on YouTube. I didn't think to look there. Um, but it's, it's one that I'm curious about because it's got a reputation of being like a really good silent film. But anyways, so um, the office is basically just like hundreds and hundreds of desks and it's organized very meticulously like a, a Kubrick movie where everything's perfectly parallel and the way it was staged actually is to give a sense of perspective. They used smaller and smaller desks uh, with smaller and smaller people until at the very back of the room they were shooting children dressed up like office workers. <laughs> Which is just like the most adorable sort of thing I can think of. Like little kids in little business wear is just, that would be great. I want to see it. Passing off their little apartment keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it takes a turn, but... <laughs> no, please. <laughs> 
<laughs> Get a little briefcases, you know. Yeah. So one of my complaints about this movie is that it's too long. Um, I think two hours and five minutes or whatever, it's just far too long for this. But the one thing I do give it credit for is that it jumps into right away what the problem is. It doesn't give some preamble or a flashback to him like the first time he gave up his key right. to somebody to use. Um, yeah. I think that's such a strength of this, like you're saying. Yeah. It doesn't – I feel like if this movie were made now, there's a good chance that we would see him come up with the idea or he would, you know, mm-hmm. establish – he overheard them talking about it and he'd decide, you know. But instead it's just this is what he's done. This is the arrangement that exists and this is how it's working out for him. Yeah. So the issue that he says he has, um, a lot of times he stays at work late because his apartment's <laughs> being used and the conceit of the movie is he's loaning out keys to his apartment so that – higher level executives can use it for affairs and this leads to um a number of problems and the very first person who has the apartment uh causes him a problem that night because they stay there way too late yeah this is one of those things where because i hadn't seen this movie before um so much of my like impressions of this culture and this I like concepts of these relationships basically came from watching Mad Men. <laughs> mm-hmm. So where it's like, oh, I've seen an office like this in Mad Men, or I've seen people have drama about you know if you live outside the city and you want to carry on an affair in the city, how do you get access to an apartment? Uh, which so media basically has led me to believe that. This was a real issue for <laughs> high-level uh, executives in New York in the 60s was access to apartments for philandering. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to step in, and before I say something that's going to frustrate Nick, I'll also agree with him that it is probably a little too long. Um, if there was one fault I'd give it, it was probably that. Could have been cut down by like maybe 10 minutes or something. Um I think the office scene is probably the weakest thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole um like business metaphor uh is really interesting of him. It's, it, it, there's a lot of good business metaphors in it. I just find in this movie where this the simplicity and like the very careful details is what made it special to me on this watch. Like, this massive pan Kubrickian shot over thousands of desks felt a little out of place for me. It wasn't bad. It just, it felt like a slightly sore thumb on a very nice hand. Yeah, see here, like, what I like about the movie is that the the non-Fran-related plot is basically about a guy who is, like, an anonymous worker bee. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's trying to do what he can to, like, first leave just that collection of desks and then subsequently leave that floor to a higher floor where he has a desk where he can't even be seen by other people. And I think that's all really interesting. I have issues with, uh, well, we'll get into it, but the whole romantic (laughs) subplot, which is uh, not not a subplot, the main plot. um, (laughs) In my mind, it's the subplot. Yeah, if you think of the movie as just sort of one man's like journey through his career aspirations, then really, then the romance is just sort of something happening on the side. I am so yeah. mad at you. <laughs> yeah. We might be learning some stuff about me 
in this episode. And B, <laughs> because something I was going to say on the pod, I was like, I feel like I related hard to C.C. Baxter more than, like, any other character. Oh, no. like, he movies. sucks. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so obnoxious. <laughs> and I was walking out like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm C.C. Baxter sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, hopefully you don't let people walk all over you in just, like, the most brutal way like this. Yeah. Um, uh, that's something I related to. So, well, we're going to make you better. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get to the climactic ending without you having to get, like, decked. Uh, and, okay. And to get demoted from your job. Good. So he shows up to his place, and a guy's been there for too long with the girl and the guy ends up having to come back while he's trying to eat dinner and he complains to him and the guy the guy basically tells him like listen um we gotta we're filing a report soon and your name is in the running for some promotion or some such so you learn very early on why he's doing this it's not just the money it's not just uh like out of charity but he does have an angle Mm-hmm. to it um that being said he they treat him like utter shit they treat him like uh so badly they treat him like terrible people treat wait staff yeah yeah like, pretty much oh, where, where are those crackers and yeah well and yeah there's just no respect for i mean obviously there's no respect mm-hmm. for the fact that this is his place you know and it's just <laughs> it's like like people couldn't get away with treating a hotel <laughs> this way no. in terms of just like overstaying your welcome, leaving things behind, showing up when you're not supposed to show up. Uh, yeah. But at least a hotel is a place for others to stay. Yeah, exactly. They have such expectancy and demand for oh, something yeah. they have no right to have expectancy right. and demand over. Right. And so, but so it's a, there's a lesson there about, you know, he gave them this access and now it's, I know it's on, hi- it's, it's on him and, it's something that he keeps on thinking like it's going to be okay in the end. Right. If I let it happen just this one more time. Right. What is the end game? You know, Which, fair. Like he's going to think and what I know it's like he's doing this and he's getting good attention and he can get, you know, good reviews and promotions and it's like but how does this end for you? Does this just go on forever? Well, I I I was thinking like he thought at some point they'll like him enough to the point that they don't demand this of him. Yeah. And they It's never going to work out that way. <laughs> I know, but that's something I felt like I related to a lot. <laughs> and even even later in the film, when he, like, jumping to the end, when he gets the executive washroom key and everything, he's still expected to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're that's, never going to let it go. That's the lesson, yeah, exactly. It's like all of this, it's not about him, it's about what he can do for them. And mm-hmm. Sorry, bud. And then in the very next scene, um, just speaking of these similar issues, the guy calls him in the middle of the night, which he should not have answered his phone. (laughs) Uh, Just let it ring. Yeah. Let it go to voicemail, I guess. (laughs) Did they have voicemail back then? No. I mean. Okay, good. (laughs) You saw what the remote control looked like. Yeah. But also something I forgot to mention on the All About Eve pod is the... Famous line, fasten your seatbelts. Um, 
my mom was like, they didn't really have seat belts in the 40s. <laughs> not just anyone, I guess early 50s. Right, and not and that so she was bothered like, to wear. That line doesn't make sense. <laughs> Maybe very fancy cars for very fancy people. That's yeah. how bumpy a night it was getting. There you go. <laughs> anyway, I, I, yeah. the, the lineage of technology in my mind is a little messed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I do like the fake Marilyn Monroe. Oh. Bit. oh god yeah. especially I, I, since wilder has worked with her yeah right yes yeah. so i like when that was happening i was like oh my god is marilyn monroe in this and they just threw her in for like a couple of shots and i just didn't remember it but no, no. <laughs> they got a good look alike though yeah and the sound alike especially mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's it's hard to pull off without sounding ridiculous but right. yeah they well, picked a did, good person to do it she did kind of sound ridiculous although that's sort of the point and right. i thought that was yeah i thought that bit was funny it was funny yeah that mm-hmm. worked for me and especially since they'd worked together before and apparently um she had a very tough shoot on some like it hot oh yeah i i read about that when i watched some like it hot and marilyn monroe yeah she was already oh, no. pretty messed up it sounds like by uh, the two of, yeah the two movie. of them the two of them too t- he was apparently very hard on uh, yeah. women yeah. That seems like kind of a That's, treat. I was going to yeah, say, say, every time we learn about a great director, and then it's like, anyway, he was terrible to his actresses. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't hear that about uh, Werner Herzog, because he was just terrible to Klaus Kinski, and he didn't have he didn't have actresses. <laughs> right. There weren't, there weren't enough women <laughs> for him to take it out on. All of his energy was focused elsewhere. That's true. And mm. I will say, we did talk about how um, Betty Davis got on really well right with um, right, right. what's his name that's true yeah so yeah. they had a good relationship not Very all nice. so not everyone not yeah. everyone's bad <laughs> it uh, seems to be a bit of a trait though it is yeah. a recurring theme so in uh, the next scene we're introduced to the elevator operator named fran it is fran kublik shirley mclean who we learn has just cut her hair which we Can you imagine later. Shirley MacLaine in short hair, in long hair? I, that, that is what's funny about it is it's just like that. That is a, a something that's referenced. And it's like, but that's what Shirley MacLaine looks like. That's her haircut. <laughs> was this one of Shirley MacLaine's first big roles? I feel like it had to have been. Yeah, I, she was in something like in the year or two before this that was notable. Uh, mm. But I think this was kind of her her breakout role. Gotcha. Yeah, um, she would have been what twenty, basically twenty five. Oh, yeah, she was she in was. Around the World in eighty days before this. Ah, yes, that class. That movie is so bad. Yeah, haven't seen oh. it. Don't. It's not even worth it. <laughs> even even if you're gonna like try to be an Oscar completionist, it's worth skipping. Uh oh, she was in uh The Trouble with Harry, the Hitchcock movie. Bleh. Duh. Oh, that's right. Oh, I don't think I've in, seen that one. She was in a nineteen fifty eight movie called Some Came Running. Uh, Vicente Minnelli with uh, mm. Sinatra. Oh, with the rap with Sinatra and Dean Martin because she she was a Rat Pack adjacent, um, and apparently she got an Oscar nomination for that also. Oh, and she was in Ocean's Eleven too. Yeah, yeah, she was like the sort of gal pal of the Rat Pack. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. oh, so she was days. already she was already yeah she was a around. big deal. Okay, I don't know. I wasn't alive yet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> So I d- cool, I do cool. like the touch where um it says she just cut her hair, and it seems to be uh, we learn later out of spite mm-hmm. because uh, Fred McMurray uh, Sheldrake Sheldrake thank you um, <laughs> his character liked her hair the way it was so she seems to be 
doing this to like sort of get back at him or like I don't know metaphorically sever ties mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's him. also like a trope and probably a more modern one but like that you know cutting your hair post breakup mm-hmm. change up your your look and your <laughs> lifestyle that's kind of a thing yeah yeah, yeah. I wonder if this uh, is one of the things that started that, right actually. maybe it comes from this <laughs> I feel like a lot of the rom-com tropes were kind of either started by this or popularized by this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a cornerstone. Yeah. I guess your mileage um, may vary on how much you like those tropes. <laughs> yeah. How mm. good that is. Uh, Nick, Nick um, seeing as we're bringing Shirley McLean into this and you for some horrible reason hate Jack Lemmon and all that's nice. <laughs> um, what did you think of their chemistry in this movie? The two of them. Um, it's asexual. <laughs> I, think, I can tell you're going to be like, yeah, it didn't work for me. I think he's, um, well, we'll get into it, but I think yeah. he's creepy. Yeah. I mean, I will say, um, as, like I said, I, I really did enjoy the movie, but I don't like, so we were, we were talking and, you know, saying people were talking online about favorite rom-coms and everything. This is not a rom-com. Uh, it's barely a romantic movie to me. Like what I like about it is not like that. That's some sort of great love story. I think it's a, you know, has a lot going for it. But I, mm-hmm. I similarly have issues with the central relationship. Yeah, and that's the part that really kind of blows it for me because I think the stuff between her and Sheldrake is actually like pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the conceit of the movie is interesting. Um, yeah. But just the two of them d- did not work for me. Like he flirts with her in the elevator, and really all he seems to have going for him compared to the other people is that he's not actively sexually harassing her, which <laughs> right. to me is good. Mm-hmm. Maybe not enough to like fall in love with. Um, but we do see when when uh, Kirkaby, who is the first mm, tenant, mm-hmm. I guess, walks out of the elevator with Baxter. He he smacks Fran on the ass and she mm-hmm. gives a good retort, I guess, for the time. Yeah. She she's not gonna be able to complain to HR, so she threatens to cut his hand off in the elevator. Right. Have you guys ever had a limb stuck in an elevator before? No, I've been very <laughs> afraid of it, but um the the elevator at my office which i may or may never see again um <laughs> it was very old and scary and would break all the time and people would get stuck in it all the time um and oh it was definitely i mean it was a three-story building it wasn't like the most intense thing in the world but you know how when you stick your hand in a closing elevator door like you're usually pretty confident that's going to stop it yep unclear with that elevator <laughs> if it was ever actually <laughs> we always have to warn people like don't stick your hand in there it may not stop closing when oh, I when I was a third year med student, that uh, very scenario happened to me. Wait, like not not <laughs> like to a patient, but like to you. To me, I <laughs> it was a a lot of hospitals are very old, mm-hmm. and I won't say which one it is. <laughs> but I stuck my because I'm sure these elevators are the same. The elevator was closing, and I was trying to hold it, so I stuck my arm in, waiting for the doors to what, bounce. What? And it and, and they just kind of closed all the way, and. I just stood there for a second <laughs> and then kind of pulled a little bit and f- was able to get my hand out unscathed. But uh, I mean, at least like all one, very good to not have your hand cut off by a closing elevator door. But yep. two, all I can imagine is like then having to call people to like come help you and 
<laughs> like you're just like sitting there with your hand stuck. I'm yeah. so terrified. So the lesson is don't stick and hold it. You, the, you the, wave it right, and then the, you pull it back out. Right. The, or maybe the lesson is bring back elevator operators. Then we wouldn't have to uh, worry yes. about any of this. <laughs> But it seems don't like kind sexually, of a pointless job. But don't, but don't yeah. sexually harass. Don't sexually them. harass them. It. Or in modern times, it would eliminate. You'd only have one person touching the elevator buttons instead of all of our germy hands. Oh, so yeah. maybe that's the answer. That person <laughs> would be a big vector, though. Yeah, that's true. Because they'd be in the elevator with everybody. Okay, never mind. Bad idea. Anyway, um, I, I don't think they need to fall in love immediately, though. No, like, no, no, no. They oh, no, to, no, 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 no. They don't need to fall in love immediately. And No, but like, I think you're being a little too hard. Like, Jack Levin, he's, he's a girl. He thinks she's cute. He tries to talk to her. I think invite her out. That's It's pretty simple. I, like, think, I, they're fl- I think their flirting's okay here. And I, I think it's purposefully contrasted against the guy who's like actively, you know, harassing her. Um, the, I, yeah, this scene in a vacuum is fine. I'm, yeah. I guess I mean more in, in context of the entire arc of their relationship together. But this scene, I don't have any complaints about. I like the bit mm-hmm. about how he's always sick and she never gets sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was another thing. I don't know about you guys, but now every movie that I've been watching in the past two months, anytime anyone talks about, like, if they get sick or have been sick, and then it just... It's like, go home. Right, it feels this very <laughs> different. I'm like, don't, yeah, don't be in that office building. What are you doing? Wear a mask. Right, exactly. <laughs> So when um, when Baxter sits down at his desk, he has to swap keys with um, Kirkaby. No, Dobish, the other, the the Marilyn Monroe mm. guy, because right. that he mixed up the keys. Yes. And then, because he had been out all night um, in the rain, because the keys had accidentally been swapped. He is sick, so he wants to stay in that night, which results in him having to reschedule, and that means he has to reschedule someone else so that he can accommodate everyone, and this is where I'm starting to, like, pull my hair out. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you pulling your hair out, Nick? Because he's just, he's so pathetic, but not in a way that I'm endeared by. In a way that I, like, all he has to do is say, no, I'm sick. What I mean, is wrong with you? He does. I, I think it's so, it sort of goes back to, like, ideally all he'd have to say is, no, I'm sick. But he, you know, is but so then he's obsessed. Pressured. Right. And, and he's just so obsessed with keeping this going, keeping everyone happy. You know, if he says no, will the whole system fall apart and his whole career is down the tubes? Like, I I understand I the. the I understand the rationale in how he justifies to himself and how the movie needs him to do this, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I completely crapped all over um, Addison DeWitt last time. That's true. Yeah. There you go. Beloved Addison DeWitt. Mm-hmm. So oh. we can have our own opinions. <laughs> I will and say. Very good. I was going to say, I have a hard time. The only, like, Sheldrake's the only name I remember of all the bosses. Um, But (laughs) Dobish is uh, Ray Walston, who I really like, that actor. Mm -hmm. I just think he's so funny and one of those character actors with, like, that face that I really enjoy when he pops up in things. He's (laughs) best known as um, 
whatchamacallit, um, My Favorite Martian. <laughs> like that yeah. old 60s TV my, show. My parents were both naming like weird old 60s um, sitcoms or TV shows. Like, oh, that person's in that. Yeah. He's the, he's the teacher in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. He's he's just, he's <laughs> one of those guys wow. who's in, like, once you start looking it up, you're like, oh, yeah, I saw him in everything. Um, and he has, uh, like, a funny face to me. So I, mm-hmm. I, 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 he stands out a little bit. But otherwise, all of the, other than Sheldrake, all the other sort of execs are a little, little interchangeable to me. Yeah. I had to, like, go back and figure out which <laughs> one was which when writing my notes because they are basically identical yeah. um yeah except for sheltrick right which yeah. my mom the entire time we were watching called him um oh my god i can't even remember his first name but she never used sheldrick and so i was always so confused who the heck she was talking about isn't it whatever show well the actors jeff jeff fred is the yeah which like jeff is not a jeff is not a name i associate with like back in the day for whatever reason <laughs> i never would have guessed jeff in a million right? years yeah everyone else is named yeah like fran and bud and joe mm. and al and then he's jeff which seems weirdly modern <laughs> so baxter gets called up to jeff's office <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> god yeah let's make jeff happen and on the, no. on the way up um he sort of asks shirley mclean out he doesn't really get an answer Mm. And then I do like the scene between um, Sheldrake and Baxter because he Sheldrake starts sort of grilling him on like, why does everybody like you? The last time this happened, there was a guy who was like running bets and he called in the feds, which, <laughs> come on, man, be cool. Yeah. And of course, they're running bets in the actuarial office. Right. Mm. <laughs> That's just smart. Yeah. Yeah perfect place right if you're gonna be doing these kinds of like these apartment schemes you might as well do gambling schemes too mm-hmm. yeah. so sheldrick already knows about the apartment and he when he brings it up to um baxter he basically says oh like i'll stop doing it and he goes well what if this ever leaked out and he's like oh it won't it won't and i like that writing there because really what sheldrake is doing is he's not chastising him he's testing him right to yeah. see if Baxter knows enough to keep his mouth shut and it mm-hmm. seems like mm-hmm. he does yeah he's very I, I like that too that he's you can see how Baxter is sort of on the defensive but yeah Sheldrake is very carefully sort of feeling him out to be like okay mm-hmm. what what's this guy's deal how much can I trust him and then how can I get in on this yeah Sheldrake I mean he's a piece of shit he is the lowest <laughs> of the low Bad dude. but th- there were a lot of small ticks in him that made him so interestingly pure evil mm-hmm. and that was that was just one of them just seeing how far i think he could take uh jack lemon's character and there was a point then when he realized like yep it's enough i can trust this dude and start exploiting him as well mm-hmm. for my benefit mm-hmm. and really at that point um once he has kind of sheldrake in his pocket as it were everyone else is sort of immaterial which yeah. i think yeah. the movie plays into a little but um there's something else that they do with the character of baxter where he always talks about like how successful he is like when he starts to move up and when he gets these promotions he he's like very um like blowhardy about it 
which is <laughs> kind of annoying since he didn't really earn it. Yeah. Um, um, oh, yeah. But, but they also could have done something where he he sort of, like, blows off the other guys in a more, um, like, obvious way. Because, he, like, I don't need you anymore. Um, sort of that, like, hubristic... Right. Oh, I've, I've surpassed you, and then obviously right. they're, they're the ones responsible for his downfall, mm-hmm. um, which the movie doesn't do, and I kind of wish it would have, but whatever. Um, so Sheldrake swaps him tickets for the music man mm-hmm. for his key, and on his way, is it on his way down, or is it on his way out of the office for the day? I think it's, he's waiting outside, um... I don't know Fran. if he's waiting. I don't know if he's necessarily waiting for Fran because he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't seem to be like looking for her because he doesn't notice her in yeah. plain clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I what honestly he's don't know. Either. Yeah, yeah. But it's, he's he's just there. He's he's lonely. I mean, yeah. that's like the point of his character. He's just yeah. standing outside alone, yeah. and he runs across Fran. He's like, oh, like I wanted to ask you out. Like, this is a good opportunity. I have two tickets to the Music Man. Um, so that works out. Yeah, and she says she's going to meet an old fling, but it's just a drink, and then um, she'll meet him outside the lobby before the show. Mm-hmm. During this conversation, it turns out that um, Baxter is definitely using inappropriate use of personnel records to learn things about her. That was super sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's it's not great. No. No. Not ideal. Bad, very bad. That was that was the big thing about Baxter for me that I was like no. But it doesn't ever come up again. No. It doesn't. It's, which is is weird. Which it's one of those things where there's like a at least in my opinion, like a near perfect character and then they make like one weird decision and it's like why would you do that? It's completely out of character at least from baxter's in my in my view it doesn't add anything um to the plot it doesn't really add much um positively in terms of character development i don't know why it's in there like it doesn't make any sense it it doesn't need to be either yeah because the the rest of the time he's not a stalker really or anything this it feels weird yeah that's that's very bad and i think the um love arc overall would have worked better for me if it started with just like the casual flirtations to him falling in love with like he just has a crush on her and then falls in love with her but it seems like he's already like pretty interested in her from the jump and that makes like the subsequent developments like less moving for me Hmm. interesting so they split and she goes to meet her old boo which turns out to be Sheldrake. <gasps> Twist. Were you surprised at all by this, Jana? Um, I mean, it, it kind of worked. It wasn't like really a twist so much, but it was kind of like a, ah, uh, of <laughs> uh, course. Yeah, gotcha. that, this makes sense. Yeah, that kind of like, oh, yep, okay. I see how it ties together. So it turns out um, his, <laughs> his family was like out of town for the summer. Mm-hmm. So the two of them had had a... Oh, Sheldrake's? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's another one of those sort of like old 
old-fashioned, like, sort of upper-class things. Yeah, where it's like, you live in the suburbs, you work in the city, your family just takes off for the summer to wherever. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very different lifestyle. Yeah. So they had this fling, and they stopped, I guess, when the family came back. But he wants her back. He brings up the possibility of divorcing his wife. (laughs) and he ends up taking her somewhere else even though she has plans with baxter who we see (sighs) sad baxter sad sad do you you guys think he went in he he went to see the music man by himself (laughs) no (laughs) i don't think so he should have though fun show he should have i've never seen it but oh it's fun i like it it's a good movie the the movie's good you should check out the movie uh do you guys oh you've seen the play i've seen i mean i've seen like i haven't seen it on broadway or anything i've seen like community theater productions of the play <laughs> mm. but the movie's actually you do live in la yeah the movie the movie's excellent though and it has little ronnie howard it's great mm-hmm. do you guys see movies alone like in theater um i have i like it i hate it do you hate it i like it no <laughs> i like it <laughs> i'd rather like go with too. someone else um, and I, share the experience i mean i would too i would rather go with someone else but it, for a while um matt my husband had a job where he was like just working really late all the time and so mm-hmm. you know i would meet, like on a friday if he had to work really late i'd like i'll go to a movie after work or mm-hmm. if he um you know, we went through one of those stretches where we had friends getting married like eight times a year. And so he'd have like bachelor party weekends and things. And if he was out of town for the weekend, I would like go to a couple of movies, mm. um, you know, by myself. That's how I went and saw Atomic Blonde by myself, Battle of the Sexes. <laughs> like there was just a bunch of movies that I was like, I went and saw a ghost story by myself. One of my favorite movie watching experiences of all time was sitting That alone. must have been the loneliest feeling. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, there were other people in the theater, but like sitting alone in a oh, theater right. watching a ghost story was still like it was something that just makes me sad to think oh it was great it was perfect it was like (laughs) thematic film watching (laughs) yeah i've started to go alone more often now that um like we have kids i'll go late at at night especially during like the oscar run Mm -hmm. i'll see stuff Mm -hmm. i'll see stuff like just on a weeknight i'll I'll go at like nine after the well after the one kid was in bed it might be tougher (laughs) now that i have two but i've seen a couple like totally alone where i like as in no like one else was in the theater. theater. Yeah. What uh, what movies were that? Uh, Nebraska. Oh God. And <laughs> that, that sounds. Do harrowing. you like Nebraska? It's it's all right. It's I lo- it's I fine. Like, I hate that. Oh one. really? I like it. I saw it in a tiny. tiny I don't theater, like Alexander but... Payne almost in in his entirety. Nebraska makes me so terribly sad, but in like yeah. Will Forte as a sad clown just works mm-hmm. for me. But, yeah, sorry. The other one was um, Pain and Glory opening night. Ooh. Yeah. Man, well, that sounds both, awesome. Those are both like crazy movies to see completely alone. Yeah, it was, but it was the first night that it was playing, and I'm like, is really no one else coming to see this? That oh. is very sad. Wait, I know. Pain and Glory. Wait. I'm thinking of the Mark Wahlberg dream. Oh, that's Pain and Gain. That'd be a different experience. I was like, that must have been insane to watch alone. (laughs) Michael Bay movie alone. Yeah. No, sad sad Antonio Banderas alone. He's so sad. I I saw Pain and Glory in actually kind of a crowded theater, like probably on the last weekend before it left the local Mm -hmm. theater here, um, which was a problem because it was playing in a tiny, super old theater that was very crowded. And so it's not like stadium style seating. And the head of the person in front of me was blocking most of the subtitles. (laughs) So I had to do like a lot of that. 
That's annoying. Yeah. The last time I went to a movie alone, I saw How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World, and I was the only alone person there without a kid. Were you very (laughs) invested in the How to Train Your Dragon franchise, or was this like awesome? I love 1 and 2. Okay. I only saw that. I was a little disappointed with 3. Yeah, I only saw that one because it was nominated for animated feature, so otherwise... (laughs) I, I don't think I've seen one since the first. Like, I, I think I skipped two. Two's the best. Yeah. I've only seen one. So uh, back to Baxter, who probably didn't see The Music Man. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, he has a new cubicle instead of one of these anonymous desks. Wow. And then he's got to make a swap with Sheldrake mm-hmm. because Sheldrake's girl had left a broken mirror behind. Yeah, Chekhov's broken mirror over there. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and at this point, Sheldrake um, alludes to Baxter that, like, oh, they all think you're going to divorce your wife, which I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because you brought it up unprompted, Sheldrake. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, d- Jenna, did you think that Sheldrake was going to divorce his wife? No. Yeah. <laughs> they never divorce their wives. What are you talking about? No, there's Absolutely a throwaway. Not. There's a throwaway line. Um, I think it's the whichever the first Kirkaby um, when he leaves, and he says something to how come how come all you women live somewhere? And she's like, "What do you mean you all? You bring other girls here?" It's like, I should say not. I'm a happily married man. That's <laughs> right. a, that's a good line. Yeah. So True jump madman. Yeah. Yeah. Jump forward to. What kind of party were they having? Christmas party. Christmas party. We got a Christmas movie, people. Well, it's, it's a so Christmas movie. Funny because this movie gets brought up all. The, I this movie rarely comes up on lists of Christmas movies, but it always comes up on lists of New Year's movies. New Year's movies. Um, just because mm-hmm. there's fewer New Year's movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's this. There's when Harry met Sally. There's Trading Places, um, but there's just like, you know, not not quite as many New Year's movies. So you can slide this over to to that one yeah it could be both it's i mean it's both too yeah so this is i think six weeks after the fact he finally calls out fran for ditching him then he drags her into the party not drags her i'm 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 not saying that like (laughs) uh, well he persuades her to attend the party yeah no he i gotta say real quick though i'm glad that jack levin was like bitch (laughs) or like super annoyed or like anything he was just like okay i get it yeah like he played it cool which i was kind of his sad sackness at play where you kind you know in a way i didn't feel like that was sad sackness i thought that was just just more understanding that's true yeah he doesn't necessarily like he knew she was meeting an old fling and he's like oh i get it. that's true that is a risk you take when someone says yeah i'm gonna meet up for a drink with an old fling right before Mm -hmm. we get together like you probably should have seen that i'm just i'm glad he wasn't like disrespectful to her yeah of course me me too (laughs) Mm -hmm. good respect is always good (laughs) yes as paddington says (laughs) So he, um, I love Paddington. So he (laughs) convinces her to dump her job for a little bit to come enjoy the festivities, which I don't know how people are getting out of that floor after that, but that's not my problem to worry about. (laughs) They were toast. They're just stuck there forever. (laughs) So uh, during this scene, he like shows off his new office digs that um he seems to think that he earned 
<laughs> and then a couple things happen to Fran during this scene. One, she bumps into Sheldrake's secretary, Miss Olson, um, mm-hmm. who saw them when they were out at the restaurant together. And she's um, a little bit loaded, shall we say. You know, it's an, <laughs> it's an office Christmas party. What are you going to do? Yeah, and says probably more than she intends to at the time, or at least later. She blames it on being a bit tipsy, but yeah. she says, you know, you're not, you're not the first. I've been there, too, and... Oh, they always talk about the divorce. So in case there was any question in Fran's mind or in our mind, the viewer, um, she's just one of many women who he's doing this with. And he does not actually like her the way she wants him to. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yep. Yep. So she's bummed out about that. Um, And then she has to suffer through (laughs) Baxter's hat. (laughs) the best <laughs> which come on nick he went full chaplain on that thing i know he did yeah that's a hat that we don't see anymore no no that's gone. nick would you want to bring back the bowler i wouldn't for me or just generally <laughs> yes <laughs> generally yes for me i don't think i can do it <laughs> it is amazing with all of the like f- fedoras had a brief renaissance, right? There was a mm-hmm. while where fedoras were back. Like bowlers have never, have never. We'll returned. bring them back. I mean, you can try. I think you should get that started. Um, see how that goes. Whenever I see bowler hats, I just think of. Have you guys seen Meet the Robinsons? No. No. no is there's, that... a mur- there's a murderous bowler hat. Oh sure. Okay. The hat so. itself. Yes. Hmm. Anyway, sorry about that. I thought I was going to have connecting moment. <laughs> just silence. Guys, so we're just like, sorry. <laughs> I'm literally like, Meet the Robinsons, that's an animated film? Yeah, okay. it's a Disney All right. All right. 2000s. Sure, sure. When I was growing up. Ah, yes. Um, see, when we were growing up is when fedoras were starting to come back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was dark I times. I just Googled Meet the Robinsons. I, so. I don't think I've ever seen this. This this looks not familiar to me at all. I don't. Well, that's because it came out. It was the 2000s era Disney where right. everything went came and went pretty quickly, and no one I just, ever saw. I again. thought like I would recognize the poster or the logo or something. No, no zilch. It, it's okay. It's it not a bad out, movie. It came out in 2007, which is like the year I moved to LA. So I was extra not paying attention to animated <laughs> films that were being released. Oh, hey, bowler hat guy. Okay. Sorry, Bowler hat guy. Yeah. So in in order to take a look at the hat, um, Fran shows Baxter a mirror, and it turns out that it's the broken mirror. Dun dun dun. So he knows <gasps> what's up. He gets bummed out. For sure. Uh, yeah. Fair. I do. What do you guys think about the line um, where she says, "It makes me look the way I feel." It's so sad. Fran is Fran is very, very sad. It's such a good yes. piece of writing. It is. It's an incredible... I thought you were about to pull this as, like, hokey line, and I was going to be like, Nick, I swear to Christ. Yeah. No, no, I'm not a total, like... I don't... There's only a couple things I dislike about this movie. It just happens to be the person that we spend the most time with. <laughs> oh, God. It happens to be okay, Dylan's fine. number one favorite film character of all time. Oh, it's no. not my favorite. I just related a lot to it. That's not a bear, at least. <laughs> there you go. That's not a Peruvian bear. No, but that I uh-huh. I agree. I thought that line like it landed really well. The delivery was really the, the, good. The way she the way the, she says it. Is the so, way she says so it is sad. just so sad. Yeah. Shirley MacLaine is 
god tier in this movie. She's great in this. She's very good in it. Brief diversion. You know, she did not win the Oscar uh, for this okay. role. Do you know? Who I was she gonna bring this up at the end. Too? <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor in yes. Butterfield Eight, right? Right, which is a movie that I only know from memorizing Oscar trivia that Elizabeth Taylor won an Oscar for the movie Butterfield Eight. <laughs> which, for one. How dare they disrespect Shirley MacLaine? Yes. And two, how dare they disrespect Elizabeth Taylor for giving her award for Butterfield fucking eight? I've, yeah. I've um, never seen Butterfield eight. Do I need to see Butterfields one through seven first? <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> have to. Otherwise, it won't make any sense. Um, also, this is something I was going to bring up. Is I think more than any movie in history, this should have gotten the Oscars five. Sure. Like, this is it. For me. Yeah. I think Silence of the Lambs is a better movie with better performances, but Anthony Hopkins is not really a lead actor. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it got three of the five. It just didn't get lead actor or lead yeah. actress. And, <laughs> it got picture director screenplay. And One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is very good, but Nurse Ratchet is not a lead actress either yeah. in the same sense. This has and a- It Happened One Night is very good, but it's not The Apartment for me. <laughs> if if- like, this is it. This is what should have done it. <laughs> If we're gonna mess, if anything, if we're gonna do a little bit of um, like best actor, best actress mm-hmm. chicanery to get mm-hmm. to um, like a five, really another great candidate that I think that uh, one zero would have been uh, a movie from the year that this movie came out, which is Psycho. Oh sure. But who are That's you? Who are you call. calling lead actress in Psycho in this? Uh... We nominated her, or the Oscars nominated Janet Leigh in Psycho for supporting, supporting. actress, for supporting. which I think is the good call. I said yeah. you would have to do some chicanery, right? Yeah. Sure, you, you could nominate the mom as lead actress, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, Norman Norman Bates, uh, Anthony Perkins, <laughs> Anthony Perkins didn't win anything. Double win. Yeah. Give it to him. Respect Anthony Perkins, people. This was a weird year. This was a crap year. They picked terrible competitions in both lead acting categories. And somehow the obvious answer didn't win either. Has anyone seen Elmer Gantry, the movie that Burt Lancaster won his Oscar for here? No. And also Shirley Jones won over Janet Leigh and Psycho. Yeah, this Elmer Gantry better have been good. Uh, What? I know. Um, Come on. Get out of here. I mean, even the, also nominated for Best Actor, Spencer Tracy and in Inherit the Wind. I wouldn't have been mad about that's, that either. That's, that's the only one. acceptable answer. Yeah, in that's my another mind. Good, good option. But again, haven't seen Elmer Gantry. But, um. You know, sorry, we're way, way, way <laughs> off track. But it's interesting. If you look at the best, <laughs> if you look at the best original screenplay category, Hiroshima, Hiroshima. Hiroshima. Hiroshima Mon Amour is nominated. That got for nominated. Best original screenplay. The Oscars used to do a lot more of foreign language um, and international screenplay films nods. in like screenplay in some of the main categories. It's yeah, like Ber- been... Bergman's been nominated for a few things, and I think won a handful of times for those categories that we don't typically think of. Have Have you guys seen Hiroshima Mon Amour? I have not. I have not. I've heard it. That's really the good. best damn movie. Yeah, and it starts Emmanuel Riva is the and mm. she is my heart yeah. and I will never ever in almost any other Oscar thing ever forgive them to giving the Oscar to oh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence instead of her that I I kind of threw a tantrum that night I have not seen a more um I I just can't imagine a circumstance in which I decide to spend a couple hours of my life sitting down to watch that movie I can't decide 
spending my two, two hours of my life rewatching any of the Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook performance. That's the very first movie I ever saw alone in a movie theater with Silver Linings Playbook. Oh wow, yeah. interesting. Had, had a great time. Had some popcorn. Watched Silver Linings Playbook. That's had that's a great. I, time. <laughs> I I don't think Jennifer Lawrence is a bad actress. I think that's a bad performance. I I think she deserves it more in Hunger Games. It's, it's also part of the great misuse of Jennifer Lawrence, which was taking a 22-year-old and casting her in parts that a 35-year-old should have been playing. Yes. Like, yeah. that's, which that's yeah, the I, 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 problem. I think she, that movie... She should have won for Winter's Bone. She should have won for Winter's Bone. She's yes, phenomenal in Winter's Bone because she's correct. playing a character. A 19-year-old. Reasonably be playing, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, David we talked about we were going to keep this one short. Yes, yeah. yeah sorry. And we have been going <laughs> off topic <laughs> much more. About it's been good lines. conversation, though. <laughs> now we're talking about Silver Linings Playbook. Sorry, guys. Anyway, All right. Emmanuel Riva, respect. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Once I start looking at the the Oscars, the night just, it's like, whew, off yeah, track. Okay. Me too. All right, sorry. Goodbye. So mm-hmm. they're in, uh, Fran and Sheldrake on Christmas are in the apartment, and she's crying. She's like... I don't know, is oh oh I, I'm totally off track. So she's oh, yeah. upset because of all the like other women. Oh yeah, they're still at the party, right? Uh, no, 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 this is this is when they're at they're she's she's at uh, Baxter's with Oh, uh, when they go, gotcha. Okay, she's upset because she's found out about all the other women. She mm-hmm. gives him um, the record for Christmas of the restaurant, like the music that plays in the restaurant they go to. Yeah, and. He gives her some money. Yeah, that's a real low point. Uh. Yeah, that's okay, rough. I'm going to pull out a quick <laughs> quote from Ebert, which you guys might be expecting. Yeah, um, th- this was one of those times when I just like out loud was going, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. Like, <laughs> like willing it to <laughs> not be so happening bad. while I was watching it happen. Yeah. But reading this line... Like Baxter, she has not been forced into job prostitution, but has chosen it. The F? She did not choose to get paid the money. She didn't even accept the money. Yeah. She is not prostituting Either. herself My to guy. Shell Drake. Are you kidding me? Yeah, she was in she's, love with him. She, she's in love her. in a poor situation. Yeah, yeah. Give the girl who, a break. With a power imbalance. Oh my god. And I yeah. think that's the thing that kind of tips her over the edge, at least in my reading of it. It's not that she's upset because he's had flings or even that he may not love her the way she wants, but that he's disrespected her to the point where he's made her feel like a prostitute. That's why when he leaves, she overdoses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to Ebert, yeah. she has chosen it. Yeah. Yeah, he he tends to draw. I can't remember what the last one last quote like this was where he drew a really false equivalency where it was like Ebert no it's not a <laughs> this thing happening to this woman is not something that she chose for herself no anyway sorry I'm no it's fair angry so while Fran is having a bad night Baxter's having a not a great night but he's at least maybe the, the- he's at least maybe going to use the apartment for the, <laughs> the seemingly- straw blowing thing was hilarious the what the, the, oh, the, the straw part blowing. where the person rips off the tops of the yeah. straws and blows them at him yes. <laughs> and he just doesn't react he's so dead inside yeah so he starts to bring this woman he meets at the bar home who he, he clearly despises yeah he's not into <laughs> it he's just mm. going through the motions here she's married 
mm-hmm. to someone who is in a Cuban jail. <laughs> Which I thought was an interesting... That was a weird line, yeah. And is apparently quite small, like a chihuahua, <laughs> she says. That whole character was so funny. I loved her. <laughs> but when they get there, um, he finds that Fran is still in his bed, tries to wake her up. And this this was another like character moment of his that I... It really bothered me when he says, you know, I used to like you. Yep. Um, it just feels so, like, coarse. When she hasn't done him any wrong. Like, what did she do? She doesn't know it's his Wait, apartment. I don't even remember that line. He's trying to wake her up. He's like, Miss Kublik, you, you need to get out of here. And she's not waking up. And he goes, you know, I used to like you. But now you need to just get out. Yeah, it's it's not, I, it's not played super psych. It's... I'm not sure exactly how seriously you're supposed to take it, but I, I did know. I took it as a joke. As well. Like, I think it's heat of the moment kind of thing. I didn't even think it was heat of the moment. I thought he was just making fun because she thought she was asleep and was just messing around. But uh, I think in the way. That's he, the way. I, yeah, I think in the way he delivers it, he's supposed to be like, you know what? Um, I like you. I, <laughs> I asked you out and you blew me off. So now, like, oh. just get out. I guess if you did. Read it that way. It would well in in his defense. About Baxter. In his defense, he doesn't know that she's not merely asleep, but she's overdosed. So right, once yeah, he, he re- does think she's just being like annoying at that yeah. point. Once once he realized something's wrong, he throws the married woman out. Mm-hmm. Um, who it is funny that she says, "Wait till I tell my husband how you've treated me." <laughs> right, I like that. <laughs> She was the best. Yeah, that was a that was a fun bit. And then Baxter calls their next door neighbor, who we've met once before, who's a mm-hmm. doctor, mm-hmm. Doctor Dreyfus. Yep. Who Oscar nominated? Yeah, that's what I was just trying to say. Jack Crucian. Yeah, good for nominated him. Doctor Dreyfus, which again feels like um, I can't remember the character's name in All About Eve, but just the character that comes in for a couple scenes. And oh, uh, oh, like it's the- fine. Birdie getting Birdie. nominated. Birdie, yeah, there you yeah, go. They, yeah. I was yeah, going to say Kitty. Like, I knew it was some kind of flick. <laughs> that's another, <Birdie>. and we <laughs> will not go on a full another side Oscar tangent, but that's another thing about how historically the Oscars used to actually nominate actual supporting performances and mm-hmm. not co-leads who they just called supporting. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like people who were actually in just like two scenes and were good. But even that being said, I was surprised because he's really only in just a couple of scenes here. Yeah. And in this scene, he... <laughs> What slaps Fran around a lot? Yeah, yeah. This we is need, this is Nick's medical corner. So is this the yeah? Um, we need to make some like treatment music. Overdosing, you just uh, hit him Beat in the face crap. a bunch until they wake up. And not softly. No. I mean, I've never done it, so I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, like this is my, my mom. Expertise. Th- my mom was explaining to me. That well, he has these like scent things that he keeps breaking open. Sure, I mean that's like smelling, like smelling salts. salts. Yeah. Okay, that's what it's that's called. I, I I didn't know about these. Is how how medically sound is that, or that's is that just, just like super an old, old fashioned, right? I've, like I feel okay, like I've never seen them. Yeah, I've seen okay. them in movies a lot. It's like super. I'm old assuming fashioned. it's just like we can reawaken their senses back. and get them back. It, it, sure, it's, it's the way of it's like punching them in the face with scent <laughs> it's like if yeah. you get a really strong yeah. smell and it like shocks someone awake but anyway yeah, yeah basically i think they... we need to check shirley mcclain for a concussion after that though <laughs> yeah. yeah he slaps her around he makes her drink a lot of coffee 
They they well, they, they, they just are trying, and obviously it's because they're trying to keep it in house. Like they mm-hmm. don't want anyone to be any the wiser of what's going on here. Yeah, and even yeah. when the doctor <laughs> mentions filing a report, he talks mm-hmm. Baxter talks him into you know it was just an accident, whatever. Right. And the doctor is kind of like the moral center of the movie. <laughs> who I mean, you despite, need to be a mensch despite all the slapping. Uh, yeah. He says, you know, like, why are you carrying on like this? You're in there with a different woman every night. We can hear it. You're drinking too much. Be a mensch. Be a good person. Don't, don't be a scumbag. There's also, like, there's also, by the way, like, a Mad Men character. I don't know if either of you guys watch Mad Men. But, they're, like, in one of the later seasons, Don, when Don lives in, like, a fancy New York City apartment building, there's, like, a down-the-hall neighbor who's a Jewish doctor who now I'm like, mm. oh, maybe that's kind of a light apartment reference kind huh, of thing. Yeah. So the next morning... Um, Baxter calls Sheldrake to let him know that Fran overdosed after they left and he should come by and visit. Obviously, he's not going to. It's Christmas and he's an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, One of my other favorite things about this movie is actually the shot when he's on the phone with Sheldrake. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, I like the back and forth between him and Sheldrake too. When he asks him to come visit it doesn't cut back to sheldrake it right. just has him reacting to sheldrake saying no so we don't even hear him say no i like i like the it's very smart editing choices mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. like the way that's done and then i love while he's talking on the phone we see in the background fran starts to walk through that door it's a perfect split screen between that foreground and background and the middle of the apartments mm-hmm yeah, it's just like very well staged, and we know enough about how the apartment's laid out at that point that we know where she's coming from. We have like a good geography of everything. So I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- there's there are things that I like about this movie. I'm not a total, <laughs> I'm not a total shelter hater. I'm not a total <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so uh, the the doctor's wife um, Baxter tries to like borrow eggs and coffee from her, and she's like, "For you, I'm not going to do anything." I think you're a piece of shit. But for that girl, yeah, I'll bring over some food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something I like in this part is, and it's not even a good thing that um, Baxter does, but after the uh, really creepy I know your social security number thing, <laughs> yeah. sure. I thought this was a perfect opportunity in a poor movie for him to be like, oh, I like this cute girl who is not being visited by the person she likes. I'm going to take advantage of this situation and like use it to get, like try to convince her to like me. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just like he's sympathetic to her and you know, he's like let's just play cards mm-hmm. and he's, well, he's caring. Yeah. I well, I was going to ask if Nick, do you see it that same way or do you think do you feel like yeah, he was maybe leveraging the opportunity and maybe that's part of the issue here Mm, it's not no he's not out of control i guess in this scene it 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 doesn't it that doesn't bother me really Um, okay that is one of my minor hang-ups not that i think he's like purposefully taking advantage i don't think he's exploiting i don't think he's purposefully taking advantage of the situation i just feel like you know she was just got out of this relationship where the power imbalance was so wild. And, you know, she's definitely on much more even footing with Baxter for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But still, she's just like, she is at her personal 
lowest point, most vulnerable. And it's just a, it's a rough place to start a relationship from basically, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, that's, that's my only sort of hang up about the, sure. the romances. It's like any time that you have like her recovering from a, a suicide attempt and like, that's sort of the beginning yeah, but, of their relationship. I mean, is, he, it's tough. He, he doesn't, try to like no, he's, gain no he's over her like wallowing right. he's very right. sympathetic yeah. he's like i i was in a point where right i was in a, i was in a similar mm-hmm. position and i tried the same thing right exactly no exactly I, I don't think it's anything he's like he's not being creepy in this situation yeah. it's just the, Which the inherent... kind of made me relieved yeah, <laughs> yeah. So i was no like kidding. oh god yeah it could, i don't, I, I don't remember him being creepy until that Social security right, number yeah, line. Especially really for a sixty year old movie. Right. It yeah, could have been exactly. and I think so bad. And I think that was one of my things watching it too, is I found myself slightly on edge just because I wasn't sure what to expect <laughs> and I didn't know I, I can't I don't think I knew that it like there's this overdose and the suicide attempt and everything in the middle. So like at once that happened I just found myself kind of like, Oh no, <laughs> like where? <laughs> so I was mm. a little bit more tense than yeah. I was expecting. And he, but. he he doesn't even like he he thinks the right thing for her to do. Like, doesn't he ask Sheldrake to pick her up on the phone, I th- or at least to come visit? To co- he asked her to yeah, come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked him to come visit. Like, he's not even trying to get in the way of their relationship. No, no. He yeah. He basically says, you know, yeah, you should come here, and Sheldrake's so having I don't none know. of that. I thought this. I thought this was a pro Baxter moment. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm having to throw out some pro Baxter things here. Okay. No, that's, I'm, that's I'm, fair. I won't. I won't. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fight against you. I I will say that I love that. He just fucking trounces her in rummy. Yeah. Like, like she sucks. Okay. What the heck are the rules of this game? Rummy. So I don't know if he, rummy and gin. I know how to play gin and rummy is like just some variant of mm-hmm. that that I think is like a little bit simpler. But you're basically trying to make like either sets of three or runs of three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I forget the specifics to rummy. Gin. Gin. There's like you try to keep it in your hand and then um, and you, you like knock. Yeah, yeah, you, you you knock and then you get points based on like how bad the other person's hand is if you do it. Yeah, too you early. just not yeah, knowing the rules. Like, yeah, they, three of I just felt like they were putting cards down. He's like, okay, I have 130 points. You have 54 points. And there's like things where if you put the cards down and the other person can play off what you put down. Like it depends mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. how. And again, I can never remember which one's gin versus gin rummy versus rummy. And yeah. yeah I never played him, so yeah. that that scene was just like the fuck. Is yeah, Jin, Jin itself is a great game. Yeah, it's one of the few sort of just like two person like sit down and and play Can't cards kind of games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Jin, anyway, Jin's uh, maybe the best two person card game, and it's my favorite alcohol. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> this I need, two I, movies in a as row. As a person <laughs> that collects a lot of board and card games, I'm going to need to send you a lot of <laughs> two person card games. But, but but are any of them going to be as uh, well uh, designed for gambling? We're going off topic again. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Any, uh, sorry. I was just going to say two movies in a row where uh, martini seems to be the drink of choice. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. So uh, while she's just getting worked in Rummy, two things happen at the office. Um, one, Miss Olsen gets fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she makes a phone call to Mrs. Sheldrake. My mom audibly whooped. (laughs) It's so funny. Like, I don't know. Sheldrake, I don't know if he'd just been coasting. I don't know how smart this guy was, but he didn't see this coming, apparently, that this was the inevitable result of, you know. 
I think he was like, uh, I'm a person in power. Like, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. My power will stay. Yeah, it's arrogance. You're right. Yeah. He's just, shit. I'll just keep getting away with it because I always have. Yeah. Yeah. And Wait, we forgot to mention the most important part of the movie, though. Oh, no. He takes a goddamn tennis racket, puts a bunch of spaghetti <laughs> in it, and fucking strains that spaghetti, Nick. When, when he, like, mimes, uh, like, serving a meatball. <laughs> It was the it was the least uh, physical comedy has ever done for me. <laughs> We're just laughing so hard because Nick's just like sadly shaking his head, like I, I won't stand for this. It was also at this point where Jana was starting the movie. Yes. I was in that scene, yeah. and I messaged like because we mentioned like Shirley MacLaine can get it, yeah. and I was like, can Jack Lemmon get it? Because he was being awesome yeah. to play it. And I'm just and like, no. Jana was like, yeah, and Nick's like, like, no, fuck no, <laughs> like, no. I, I think what I said was, if he got it, he wouldn't know what to do with it. That's, <laughs> That's bitch, so you know. Yeah, I I found all I did find that stuff charming. Like I don't know. It, Thank you. Yeah, I, I did, did too. too. I I, th- I thought he was very charming in that sequence, but I'm also kind of like an easy mark for that. I just I thought it was cute. Mm. Nick just doesn't like charm. Buy a strainer just instead fine. of instead of working overtime for no extra pay. He could go to the store and buy a strainer and make spaghetti like a normal person. <laughs> or you could just be resourceful, Nick. It's but not resourceful. He, You're probably ruining that tennis racket, but, but making the spaghetti could disgusting. Do his funny bit with the meatball. You know, ruin his whole joke mm, that he's done one time. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps he's done that to everyone. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, Mrs. Olsen for for the win. Yeah, Miss Olsen uh, pulls the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. So she's um, getting things done. Meanwhile, Fran's (laughs) brother-in-law is looking for her because she's been holed up at Baxter's place recovering. Mm -hmm. And the two bros at the office sell him out. Oh, they say something about uh, Fran and Baxter's Lost Weekend together, which mm-hmm. I like, because yeah. that was a, another Wilder right. movie. Right, the Lost Weekend, yeah. <laughs> so they sell him out and say that Buddy Boy hasn't done anything for us lately, and they uh, Buddy Boy. send the brother-in-law over to Baxter's place. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of this brother-in-law? Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just kind of cartoonish. Eh. Very cartoonish. Yeah, because yes. he really fit in with the vibe of the rest of the movie. I, I agree. Felt like he walked Which, in from a different movie. He came in from like a Scorsese extra. Yeah. Hmm. Let's not. Let's not say anything we can't take back. I am just gonna try to hurt you a little, Nick. <laughs> so the brother-in-law shows up, and I do. I wish they would have done more with this because when he opens the door for the brother-in-law he's in mid-sentence saying something about taking advantage of you in bed the way i did the day before yeah because he's talking about the rummy right beating her at cards yeah Yeah. but the brother-in-law doesn't even hear that line he doesn't (laughs) react to it at all it's like why do you even put that in there if you're not gonna go with like the reaction shot i I think it's just like this pure terror of like when it happens like oh no baxter yeah i noticed that if you would care about baxter yep so he sees that she's been in there. The doctor comes in and starts talking, not realizing that there's somebody else in there. <laughs> right. And there's kind of like, I don't know if this was still something you couldn't really talk about in movies, but mm-hmm. it's implied that the brother-in-law thinks that she had an abortion. Right. 
because yeah. he says, say, what kind of doctor are you? Mm-hmm. And they talk about like a minor procedure or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, which I, I like which, how that was done. And it gives you a little bit more justification, I guess, or at least like in, in his mind um, mm-hmm. as to why he clocks um, Baxter at that point. Yeah. Right. Um, which something... As far as, like, major Hollywood studio movies go, the fact that they so upfront portrayed many men having extramarital sexual affairs, that felt kind of maybe risque for the time. Yeah, I wonder. I, I had meant to look more into it and then didn't, but sort of... Which I think the... some of the early criticisms of the movie was, like, it's too risque. Right, and that, like, the central sort of the plot driving is this affair that she was in love with this you know married man who was mm-hmm. carrying on all these affairs and i can see that at the time is having aff- being offensive to people's sensibilities which i f- i find it funny that people might be more offended of a woman that's having an affair with a man than yeah a married man than well. the other way mm-hmm. right. yeah. anyway um so when when he got clocked in the face uh-huh. um <laughs> Because I had mentioned that um, my brother it was like taking stage combat, and the last time <laughs> the we were watching the movie together, yeah. yeah, and there was like a slap. He was like, "Oh, that was bad." Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm, "I wonder if th- if that that was good stage combat." And when I was doing research on the movie, it turns out that Jack Nicholson actually or did get ja- or Jack Lemmon got hit for real. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that too. That yeah, like Jack they Lemmon. had done a few takes, and then of course there's always one where he moved his head the wrong way, got hit, and that's the one they put in the movie. Yeah, we're going to talk about real injuries by lead characters next week as well, I think. Yes, I'm yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm going to come in next week in Nick's shoes of just like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's all right, yeah. we'll gang up so on you next did, week. Did, did, you, did you enjoy him getting punched in the face, Nick? I did. So here's, <laughs> here's my, <laughs> here's my take. And you can't. You'd have to rework the movie so it's a drama, but say you redo this so like Robert Bresson directed the whole thing and it's a drama. Um, I can't even comedy. imagine this. But instead of uh, him getting punched in the face, he just gets beaten to death, and Baxter is like this messianic figure who's like suffering for the sins of the other men who've been committing <laughs> these affairs. That is okay. That is my. Kind we of can't movie. do this during the pod right now. <laughs> This is that. That is not my kind of movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> this is the split. This is the Dylan Nick. Yeah. Divide. I'm gonna say that, that movie sounds like a. It sounds like a real banger. Later tonight, Nick. I need you romp. to. I need you to cast Robert Brisson's Friendship Heart. I'll just write my whole like my fanfic on. <laughs> right. Please. The apartment please. only Baxter gets beaten to death. Yeah. Yes, and, and well, this, that'll be our only of piece his. of promotion yeah. that our, this pod will ever use. Oh but God. we need to see, we need to see this, Nick. All right. So he he only gets punched a little bit. He recovers, <laughs> and when we see him at work the next day, he's rehearsing. And, and she's charmed by it. I mean, right? yeah, I, mean I don't yeah. charm is the right word, but she appreciates him. You know, taking a mm-hmm. punch for her. She calls him a damn fool. Well, yes. <laughs> But in, in a, like a in like a cute way, in a fond way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and of course the punch doesn't hurt for Jack Lemmon at that it point, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So back at work, he's rehearsing a speech that he's going to give to Sheldrake um, about I'm going to take Miss Kublik off your hand. She's not going to be a problem anymore. And then he gets called up to Sheldrake's office, and Sheldrake says, 
the exact like word for word what he was saying to him mm-hmm. only Sheldrake is now gonna take uh, take her off your hands with the mm-hmm. quotes yeah um gross mm-hmm. gross of both of them gotta say to to phrase it that way yeah yeah i mean mm. that's it's of the time but it's yeah. yeah one of those things where it's like who who will take responsibility for this poor sad young woman you know mm. and like it's like it's a debate for the two of them to have and it's not up yeah. to her yeah yep that that scene was pretty cringy yeah i will admit um so he uh Loses out for the time being on Fran because Sheldrake is back in the picture. He's kicked out of his house um, due to Miss Olsen. <laughs> Revealing the affair. Yeah. Telling Affairs his wife. A- for the win. Yeah. Um, but good news for Baxter is he does get that uh, 27th floor or whatever it is mm-hmm. office. Get the big promotion. Mm-hmm. And he's got the key to the executive washroom, which. Which it seems like the only door to that. Uh, that office is through Sheldrake's office, which I would not have like to walk through my boss's office to get to my office every day. It's like mm. being allowed to Just... use Jack Donaghy's uh, private yeah. <laughs> bathroom in his office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Fran sees um, Baxter downstairs in the lobby and says that those two are going to start getting back together. They don't want to be seen together at work, but, you know, he's getting a divorce, so they're getting together and he says well you know what i i got what i wanted out of all this because they're moving they're changing i think they're changing the directory to to reflect where his new office is Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and this is the thing is i i love how it's paralleled they both think they got what they wanted in this sense right and they think it's going to be rewarding for them (laughs) but you know yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know how no. much I believe that Baxter actually thinks that. I think he's he's lying and playing it cool with her because at the same time he also says, "Oh, I've maybe got a, he says I've got a he, date he, over the, there." Right. At least in the whole movie, he's wanted to get to that office, and he, because he thinks it's going to be rewarding for him. Right. So they they both wanted this thing for a long time. She's wanted him divorced. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And she could have a romantic relationship in full with him and he's wanted to rise to the top of the ranks mm-hmm. and be liked by the other bosses yeah. in the company. That is actually like a good piece of the arc where they they both actually are at a point where they have what they started off wanting. Yeah. But aren't happy with it. And that is that is like very good writing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like he's, yeah, he's that's got the, why the apartment is the best, Nick. <laughs> he's but the, the meatballs. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Just lost him, and he never got him back after the meatball scene. It's the the tennis rack. Like tennis rackets are expensive. Strainers are cheap. <laughs> Baxter, if I don't understand how he knows how far uh, the entire population of New York would stretch, but he hasn't done that math. <laughs> Anyways, right. so before Dylan just absolutely just end the podcast. Uh. <laughs> so, um, Baxter uh, is up in Sheldrake's office, and Sheldrake is like, "Hey, um, guess what? I'm going to need that key again because mm-hmm. apparently hotels here don't let you have women." I, By here, I mean the 1960s. Right, 1960s, right, exactly. And, you know, can't go taking mm. your mistresses to hotels, apparently. Seems like a bad business And he's going to enjoy being a bachelor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When you hear that line, and 
I mean, you do not want Fran to end up with Sheldrake. Well, but you 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 gotta feel for Fran when you hear that line, just like oh yeah, right. It's not like oh Fran. now that my wife kicked me out, I'm gonna finally commit to you, Fran. Like no, that's mm-hmm. not what he's about. Yeah, I hate him so much. And Baxter says, "No, I'm not gonna give you the key." Uh, I don't want anyone coming into my apartment, and especially, especially Miss Kublik. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he gives back the washroom key. Yeah, I, I yeah. like that, where you think he's actually um, giving in and giving the key. He right, storms in the other room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, That's a yeah. cheerworthy moment, Nick. That's what worthy? That's a cheerworthy moment. Cheerworthy? Yeah, that's a good moment. Oh. Yeah. I'm not a total curmudge. I'm not going <laughs> to give this a. A two out of four. Or anything, but. <laughs> no, but you also D-minus. said you'd rather watch a Robert Brisson adaption where he gets beaten for the sins of other men. You guys know what kind of movies I like. I was like. going to say, it's I'm a matter of... And, and you know the kind of movies I like. The, the Nick the Nick Dylan but, divide. But he does the right thing. He, you know, he does, steps up yeah. and, yeah. Mm, and he does it without thinking he's going to get the reward of Fran. Right. Yeah. That's which again, it's such an easy thing for a sixties movie to pull. Mm-hmm. For like the woman will be the reward, but no, the reward is he's going to get the fuck out of that apartment. Right. He's leaving that job. He's going to be okay on his own. Even mm-hmm. he's been lonely this whole time, but he's like, I'm going to be okay on my own right. now. Yeah. And that's what makes it a great character, Nick. It's just the like I, I like it on paper. The, your description of it That's sounds fair. good. I just the the quirks and the ticks and the okay. Jack Lemmon is like a top five favorite actor in movie history for me. So the quirks for me work. See if, the quirks work. If we're going so just so I don't seem like someone who hates um, comedies starring people from The Odd Couple slash Grumpy Old Men, <laughs> I'm much more into a new leaf. A new leaf. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Which, I gotta say, the plot of that movie is a guy tries to find a rich woman he can marry and then plans to kill her. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's Elaine May in, like, the thickest glasses you have ever seen. They're so thick. They're incredible. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's just a delight in that movie, too. Anyways, uh, mm. so Fran and... Um, Sheldrake are at a restaurant and it's New Year's New Year's Eve, Eve finally, yep. And he's trying to have a good time. He tells her that they're going to have to drive down to Atlantic City so that they can find a uh, hotel room to shack up in for the night. Where does she live? Like, uh, unimportant. Oh, oh, wait, no, she lives at <laughs> the sister in law's or yeah, their sister and yeah. brother in law's. That's, yeah, right, that's right. Yeah, so that's how the brother in law need to come. Okay. Looking for her, yeah. Can't go to her place. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that they can't use um, Baxter's place anymore mm-hmm. because he's not letting anyone in there, especially you. What did you do? Why doesn't he like you? Mm-hmm. And she, the light bulb goes off in yeah. her head. Oh, you wanted to use an apartment. Yeah. And she starts running, which is something that I just don't like. <laughs> I don't like people running at the end of what couldn't she have walked? God damn it, Nick. When you, <laughs> when, you when you realize who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want that rest I, of your life to okay. start as soon as possible. The yes. <laughs> but I'm also glad that they don't like 
completely like fall in love instantly. Like they just know Shell Drake is a dick. This is not what I want anymore. This is this was wrong. What I want is to be on my own with a person that like I enjoy spending time with. We had a nice time together, let's spend more time together. Yeah, exactly. And maybe they'll get married. Who knows? Yeah. But oh. I yeah. want better for her. It's just so cheesebally. Like the, how, the I don't night. care. Do, I how, cheer. I cheer, Nick. I say how? So yeah, I take it the ending sequence and the fi- the final line and everything didn't really work on you, Nick. Mm, not particularly. Yeah. Nick. Okay, getting to the final line. What if he said, "I adore you, uh, Miss Hubelik," and she said likewise what if she said i know no but like <laughs> in that said, whole movie I, they keep on saying yeah. blink wise I know, I know every the first time i saw it every time i rewatch that ending i swear to god i think she's gonna say likewise which is weird because shut up and deal is a very famous movie line yeah. but i still think she's gonna say likewise because they say that so many damn times in the movie. nick would you have liked it more if she said likewise instead of shut up and deal yeah i guess we, wow, yeah. I didn't even think I'd get that response. We, we also, I because I brought up the last line, kind of blew out the sort of, or blew past the final little misunderstanding. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> no, I, I just had to ask. No, that's fine. But where she <laughs> thinks he shot himself, um, but it's uh, just a champagne cork. New Year's Eve. But I'm, I'm glad because I think as the audience, we don't know that and they don't build the suspense more than like three right, seconds. Uh, yeah. But it understands where she knows he's quitting. Right. And... So she knows like, there's, like, t- turmoil in his life right now. And, yeah, yeah, but she doesn't know it's, like, a positive stressor than a negative Th- this stressor. This is where Nick says it would have been a perfect movie if he had, in fact, <laughs> shot himself, and that was the end. <laughs> no, I, in fact, the opposite. I I don't like that it f- does the fake out yeah. a couple times. Um, like, when, when she attempts to suicide with the pills, it has, like, the way it's shot. And I, I, I don't know if it's the same song, but they start building tension with the music. Mm-hmm. And there are two other fake outs. One with the gas. She accidentally leaves the gas on. Oh, right. Or she's like lighting the stove wrong. And then this the, time yeah. with, the, with the champagne bottle. And the movie like tries to ratchet up oh. the suspense with both of those. I think the movie is trying to make us think that he might do that, which mm-hmm. I, I don't believe. Like it, it, right. it, it doesn't feel in character uh, for him, even though he's already talked about um, mm-hmm. like having like suicidal ideation and mm-hmm. like almost an attempt in the past mm-hmm. um i just don't like the way he's shown on screen i don't buy that yeah i i was glad that they didn't drag it out for any longer than they did basically because yeah i didn't i wouldn't have fallen for it or didn't fall for it yeah <laughs> yeah and but i think the punchline of him coming with out with the champagne with the it's, champagne it's, I, I liked that that worked on me i laugh nick no no <laughs> I didn't. It, it just didn't yeah, okay. It just didn't work for me. That's fine. Like, honestly, sure. this movie works so much better for me in its dramatic moments than in any of its, like, some of the small comic moments. But in general, I like the 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 non-romantic plot so much more. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, he tells her to, she tells him to shut up and deal and presumably he destroys her and Romy again because she's <laughs> awful. She, she wins the first hand though, right? Yeah, he's not paying it. He's not even looking at her. <laughs> right, yeah. Or at the cards. Declaring his love and what have you. Yeah. 
he doesn't even declare his love. That's the thing. He just says, I adore you, or... Oh, what's his... I can't remember the actual... But he doesn't say, like, I love you, which, thank God. Like, I... If if he was, like, suddenly, like, professing his love, or there was some big kiss... Yeah, no. I'm, I'm I am glad there was so a big glad the way the movie kiss. ends. Yeah. This movie's yeah, perfect. Says, I absolutely adore you. I absolutely adore mm. you, which is very sweet. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. For anyone that likes sweet <laughs> Not me. Things. Give me that. <laughs> give me that Brisson cut. <laughs> <laughs> is Brisson the right Probably. director for that? Version? I don't know. The thing with Brisson is he's so dark but he does it so plainly that it 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 never comes off like viscerally yeah i could see it like this storyline coming out but maybe not like them physically beating up jack lemon's character in scene at least maybe you know yeah but all right so that's uh that's the end of the movie do you guys have ebert quotes that you pulled did you have a separate one dylan i can read mine while you guys are grabbing your books yeah Um, go for it mine is that he says uh on christmas eve more than any other night of the year the lonely person feels robbed of something that they were that there was reading is (laughs) difficult (laughs) the lonely person feels robbed of something that was there in childhood and isn't there anymore and i think that's a great um kind of summation of the melancholy that we're supposed to feel that i just it didn't quite hit it for me like the 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 movie that ebert describes the movie that you guys are describing is the movie i wish i would have seen and it just like there some something was keeping me from getting there that's fair yeah that was gonna be my quote that was like the first one i had circled but um i also did like hit like the final line his sort of final observation which is that in many movies the characters hardly even seem to have jobs but in the apartment they have to be reminded they have anything else um and that's you know one of those things that was a very sort of interesting observation of a film Mm -hmm. from 60 years ago that now is sort of like a very modern concern with like you know your work is your life and yeah i like yeah i like all the the work like drudgery i like like the work stuff too i i actually like the work stuff a lot um i that was sort of my entry point to being really into the movie Mm. what quote um one of my quotes uh was one of the like the sentence just before the final Mm -hmm. sentence which said um his characters can't take flight with formula plots because they are weighted down with the trials and responsibilities of working for a living yeah so kind of a similar thing um the other thing i have because he craps on chill drake so i enjoyed it um (laughs) he wants to be the boss's assistant she wants to be the boss's wife and they're both blinded by the concept of the boss that they can't see that Mr. Sheldrake is an untrustworthy rat, which is just a start. So yeah, so maybe this whole movie is just a takedown of capitalism is really what it yeah. is, right? It's just they, that bosses they, are evil just and before, you shouldn't... Just before it, they say they are both slaves to the company's value mm-hmm. system. Yeah. You be a chum, <laughs> you be a gal, and they realize that's the stupidest thing, and they're happier just being who they are together. And it's great! Jesus, this is, this movie was made for me. That's fair. Thank you. All right. End of TED Talk. Jenna, thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, thumbs up. Thumbs up for sure. Dylan, I'm curious. I'm gonna give. <laughs> yeah, let's see where I'm you come down on this one. Three thumbs up. 
I'm still I'm yeah. still giving a thumbs up despite all. Oh, what, what, thank the Lord. What sounds like me being a negative Nick here? I'm still giving a thumbs there's up. There's a there was a couple of points I was nervous, Nick. No, I mean his writing is just so good that it's it's tough it's to true. it's tough to deny that, and I love the like there are so many shots in this that are just great so still got to go thumbs up Jana how many stars are you throwing at this I'm actually curveball um gonna do three and a half out of four you have it out of five I out of five know but after talking I thought about I had it, a friend I know but Nick actually swayed me during our conversation and I still love it but I'm like you know those those reservations I have are kind of reservations so See, this is why for for um let, on letterboxd i've not been putting i know stars i think after. i'm gonna have to start waiting till yeah after we talk about it because it looks like he's gonna cry dylan how many stars <laughs> this are is you not going? a personal affront to you dylan all right well just given the circumstance i'm gonna say five out of four stars Fair enough. this movie exceeded <laughs> the four star rating Actually, I can't give it four out of four. The social security line brings it down to a four and a half out of four. <laughs> four and a half out of four. Okay. Yeah. No, like, I mean, it's still, I will say that, by the way, three and a half out of four stars is very good. I rated it higher than eight and a half, which is like another okay. fantastic movie. So. Okay. This is the thing, is at dinner, because I thought Nick liked this movie, and I saw your five out of five rating, Jenna, because both of my parents were lukewarm on this movie. I was like, I bet this is going to be the, the next Everyone gives it a four. Oh, so out of we've four. personally betrayed you. We're gonna all love this movie, and I was like, "You two are just uh, like well, nihilistic nillies." You can have your revenge on us next week, Dylan. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll watch Apocalypse Now and think it's not just a well-made, interesting movie, and actually maybe, a good piece of art. Maybe. But yes, how mm. how many stars did you land on, Nick? Um, well, Dylan, if it makes you feel any better, when I. F- first finished watching this i'm actually up from that oh thank god after this conversation what did you so i'm going three stars you had it at a two and a half that was that was my initial uh like my initial gut but talking through some of the like pop mechanics and story are like where they both land in their personal lives i'm gonna give it three but yeah i started off i I guess I'd rather have you at three than Jenna right. out of four. There we go. If that's the trade-off that we both sort of met in the middle a little bit, that's not the yeah. worst thing in the world. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, your open-mindedness <laughs> is refreshing. It's um, reverting to the mean. It's, okay. it's kind of what we're doing here. Yep. That'll happen. Uh, I thought we were gonna. I was going to be able to mark this a five you, out of five what, for us. On you know what part of it is, too, is um, I watched this last Sunday, and I was going into what I knew was going to be like a hellish week of work. So, like, the, the whole couple days after, like, I, I went through my text just now, I, and I, I thought that I'd actually given a star rating to, to my cousin. But my text to him, like, the day after I watched that is, how hot a take is the apartment is only okay. <laughs> and what did he say? He said it depends on what context. And <laughs> it went into, like, a long thing. So maybe uh-huh. you were just not... I'd, I'd have just sent you, like, a, a gif of... Uncle Phil slapping Will in Fresh Prince. Maybe you were just not in the right headspace to be amused by Jack Lemmon's yeah, antics in this possible. movie. I worry so about he, that sometimes. Yeah, he said, uh, in what context I mean, is one talking about their personal enjoyment? In which case he says, it's not a hot take. Are you trying to assess the film on its merits? And then he says, it's medium warm. And I was like, yeah, both. So I guess it's like a lukewarm take. Mm. I don't like okay. I don't like doing, I don't do that many hot takes. This is a... Uh, 
going to be the hottest take I do for and a This while, is a probably. very mild one as far yeah. as... I, yeah, we'll see. I mean... The, the, yeah. the apartment is three out of four is not too hot. I was just getting worried. Yeah. yeah. Two, two and a half, um, I think, would have been somewhat hot. But, you know, I came around on, on things that... Mm-hmm. Some of the things. Um, I know at some point, at least, I'm going to have a couple hot takes. But I don't think any three of us are necessarily people that try to throw out hot takes. No, I... I'm we too just, lazy. I don't we, to, to I have to like defend I'm, a hot yeah. take. I'm just like, ugh, I can't I feel work like out. I'm, very, con, I'm pretty conventional for yeah. the most part. Yeah. yeah. I just can't work myself up well, to really be that contrarian about anything. Yeah, plus I like liking things. Me I, too. It, it's, That's the thing. I is why do people have... To like. yeah. It's so much more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. That's why I love there the Joker so much. Who knows? God, of the ones of the ones that are coming up that I like, I haven't seen. Who knows? Maybe I'll just like really hate Battleship Potemkin or something, and I'll be like, "What a disaster!" Seems unlikely. I think though. I'll have the. Ex- we might just be able to copy and paste my audio for Apocalypse Now into Battleship Potemkin. Oh, interesting. Mm. You're not a war movie guy. Honestly, no. Most of my favorite war movies are movies where people are sad after a war. Sure. Barry Lyndon. Okay. Deer um, Hunter? Life and Death. You can't, you I can't, I was going to say, I can't deer. imagine I you deer like Hunt. Deer Hunter. That does not seem like a Dylan God, day. no. What about Life, of, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp is probably my favorite. What about movie. Sad During a War? That's. Thin Red Line? Oh, yeah. Thin Red Line's good. Paths of Glory is great. I was thinking. That is probably the best war movie. I was thinking Come and See, of course, which is a movie that I. That is a great so war yeah, movie. Yeah, about. <laughs> I just watched The Ascent last night for anyone that knows the ascent i think i described it to you guys as falling down an endless void where you don't have a merciless death at the bottom instead you just die slowly of dehydration waiting for the end cool i stand by that yeah i i, I like the ascent a lot though it was very well my made. wheelhouse is what you're yeah. describing <laughs> <laughs> like a it's like night. tell me more all right, so that was The Apartment. Next week, we are talking about Apocalypse Now. You can find us on Letterboxd and on Twitter at Great Movies Pod and our, what's it called? Art, the, it's not album artwork, the podcast artwork. Our, our artwork, yeah. Our artwork. Yeah, <laughs> cover art. Cover art, maybe that's the word I was looking for, is uh, by yeah. our friend Scott Brady. You can find him on Twitter at S Brady Artist. And yeah, that's it. See you next week. All right. Yeah. Roger out, guys. Bye. All right. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.